In 2013, Kat Bonner lost her mom in a tragic car accident. She figured out how to manage her grief and is helping other women do the same. On this podcast, you'll hear from other women who have lost their moms and discover the exact coping strategies you need to get through the day and be in the best place you've ever been. Don't miss another episode. Subscribe today. More information can be found at catbonner.com forward slash podcast. And if you'd like to join a group of like-minded women, head to Facebook and search for the Life After Losing Mom community. Lastly, if you're looking for help managing your grief, book a complimentary connection call at catbonner.com. So before we get started with the episode, I just want to share something with you. I'm sure you've heard multiple times that grief is an individual process. Well, the people you heard this from aren't wrong because it very much so is. You're probably wondering, how can someone help me when they grieve differently than I do? That's why I'm so passionate about one-on-one coaching that is totally customized to you and your pain points. I let you guide me to ways I can help you. I can only take on three clients at a time, so the spots are limited. I'd love for you to tell me how I can help you in your grief journey. First of all, thank you for having me. Um, I'm grateful for the opportunity to share my story and hopefully help some other women in my situation. Um, My name is Amanda, and I lost my mom when I was 12. Um, Actually, I was a month shy of 12, but for some reason, I always round up. I don't know if it's to make myself feel more mature or what the issue is with me rounding up, but I always round up to 12. Um, that's like the age that I feel like I stopped that, <laughs> um, with that. And, um, my mom had metastatic breast cancer, um, that had transferred to her hip. Um, and she was actually in remission when she passed away. Um, she was getting a hip transplant or a hip uh, replacement surgery. And, um, so that she wouldn't have to be wheelchair bound. And she was in remission when it happened and she caught a staph infection on the operating table. And because she had gone through chemotherapy and radiation and all of that, she had no immune system to fight it. And she went septic really fast. Um, and so she died pretty suddenly after we had had a lot of hope. Um, she had battled the disease for many, many years. Um, she was diagnosed premenopausal in her mid thirties. I'm 31 right now. So that's, um, something that I have on the docket right now, as far as anxiety is concerned and, um, things like, you know, going for yearly mammograms and things like that, that I have to be aware of because my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer four years from my age right now. Um, and so I do a lot with that. And, um, she unfortunately also had a mental illness, um, which prevented her from going to the doctor, um, when she found the cancer and she waited a really long time to go. Um, and by the time she went, it was metastatic and, um, the doctors gave her six months and she lived for three and a half years because she was that big of a fighter. Um, so that's how I lost my mom. Um, she was huge influence in my life. Um, wonderful, wonderful woman. She was the light in every room. She had this ability to make every moment into a positive, um, just a positive light to it, I guess. And she was really funny. And she took moments like when she lost her hair from chemo um, to just kind of like shine her personality. And she she took this moment that's just like so heart-wrenching for every woman that, that battles cancer. And she, um, you know, she took pictures and she was making like really funny faces <laughs> in the pictures, you know, and they're my favorite photos of her because it was the way that my mom was able to shine this light through the darkness um, that captured just like her essence. 
um, in those photos. And um, that was just my mom. She was really fun. She was really bubbly. She was really funny. Everybody just absolutely adored her. Um, she was really easy to talk to and very fun loving. And she loved music and hiking in the outdoors. Um, and, you know, she, she had her struggles, but she was just a wonderful mother. And then um, my father wasn't really in my life. He walked out on my mom when I was a baby and never really looked back until he um, got cancer later on in his life as well. Um, and that was when I was an adult. Um, but he did not take responsibility for me when my mother passed away. Um, and I lived with my grandparents, my maternal grandparents, um, after that. And my grandmother and grandfather had pretty much raised me, um, up till that point anyway, because my mom's struggles and stuff like that. Um, and so they raised me after that. And, um, we were very, very close. And my grandmother, um, passed away. She, um, she struggled with a lot of things. She, she struggled with depression and she, she struggled with alcoholism. Um, and she unfortunately passed away three years later when I was 15. So essentially I've lost two mothers, um, which has been really, really hard on me in life. Um, and I never really realized at the time when I was a teenager, how much it would impact me later in life. Um, you know, you just, as an, as an adolescent, you can't, process that amount of grief and you just kind of survive and you keep going and you try to kind of bottle it all up and just get on with your life because that's all you can do you know and um you know as a as a 31 year old um I've just recently you know started a family I have two kids now and something that I've struggled with is perinatal depression which is what I want to talk about today um, because as motherless women, we are at significantly greater risk, um, of developing perinatal mood disorders, um, which is basically postpartum and antepartum, um, depression, anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, um, psychosis, and even, um, in conjunction with bipolar disorder. Um, we're at significantly higher risk of developing those types of conditions when we do start a family because of a number of different reasons. You know, we have the trauma in our past, um, from especially our childhood. Um, you know, if we've undergone a recent loss, if we've lost our mother recently and we're starting a family or, you know, in the process of, you know, maybe some of your kids were there with your mother and some of them aren't, and that's really hard to go through. Um, you know, we have that type of trauma. We have um, a lack of support, you know, in the motherhood community. You know, it, they say it takes a village. And when you don't have your mom there, that cuts out a huge portion of your village. And that contributes immensely to your mental health as a mother. Um, you know, along with, you know, any type of trauma that was associated with, you know, her passing and things like that. Um, so I just, I want to bring awareness to it in this community. Um, it was something that I didn't know was a significant risk factor for perinatal depression, um, losing your mother, because when I thought of the term trauma, I never thought that that applied to me. I always thought that meant like an accident or some sort of abuse that happened as a child. It never occurred to me that losing my mother as an adolescent was trauma. And so that was very eye-opening for me um, in this process um, to like admit that it was like a traumatic part of my childhood and it impacts me greatly today, even 20 years later. Um, so that's what I want to talk about today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm like super duper fascinated by this topic. And it's so funny that you mentioned that. Um, I think you said your grandma, you lost her after you lost your mom. I'm assuming that was your mm -hmm. mom's mom. And it it's is, yep. okay. That's what I thought. It's literally so crazy. I like, that was the exact same thing for me and how you were saying, um, you know, you literally like just survive and mm -hmm. 
just to touch base on that a little bit, you legitimately do. It's like, okay, like I lost my mom. And then like two years later, you lose your grandma and which is another mom. And you're like, well, what the fuck? Like I just (laughs) lost two moms in a matter of X amount of years Mm -hmm. before I'm the age of what blank, you know, like that, that's literally unfathomable. Um, and heaven forbid losing a child. I feel so bad for my grandma because I could barely handle that. I can't imagine losing a child, but I just want to like, just right. I guess this thought has been running through my mind since I lost my mom but do you think that or like did this happen to you like did you ever were you afraid I guess of like having children um because I'm like and I don't know if it's a phase but I'm literally to the point where I'm like oh my god I never like I want to adopt but I don't want my own kids because I don't know how I'm gonna handle it without my mom uh, mm-hmm. yeah what are your thoughts on that Maybe I'm just crazy. <laughs> no, you're not. Absolutely not. Um, I'm, I'm a part of a mother loss community and there are so many women um, in my group that, you know, they fall on both sides of the spectrum. Some want children because they want the type of relationship that they would have had with their mother that they're missing out on um, to like kind of fill that void, so to speak. And then there's people on the other side of the spectrum, just as many. Um, and those are the ones that, you know, maybe don't want children at all, or maybe want to adopt because of this, like, just fear of not having that connection ever again, or maybe, you know, they feel like that void will never be filled even by their own children, or um, just, it's like an anxiety that, like, you don't want your kids to ever have to go through what you went through. Um, and then some people, you know, they just, it's, you know, it's a personal choice, you know what I mean? Um, but for whatever reason, it's not weird at all, um, to have those kind of thoughts because I think every single one of us that are motherless, we have either one of those two thoughts is like, either I really want a family or I don't want a family. And I guess that's true for everybody, but it's really dynamic for us because it's, it's never like in the middle, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's, it's a good point that you, you know, bring up because it, I mean, it's important. I mean, regardless of what people choose, like if they choose to have kids or if they choose to not have kids, I think it's important for people to know that no matter what, there's nothing that can fill that void. Um, right. So if you exactly. are trying to have kids to fill that void, then bless you. Like, I just want to hug you and tell you that that's probably, I personally don't think that's the best decision, but mm-hmm. that's just my two cents. Um, right. Yeah. I don't, and I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just because like, and it's weird because, you know, having that relationship with your mom, Rick, we're, I take that back. Were you and your mom close? Because me and my mom were close and maybe that's just maybe the dynamic of the relationship with the daughter and the mother like affects what they want. Yeah. I think that has a huge, huge part about it. You know what I mean? There are a lot of women in the motherless community that, you know, weren't very close to their mothers or their mothers were, you know, kind of toxic individuals and they didn't get along with them and and things like that. Maybe they had a toxic relationship with them. Um, so, you know, not everybody is close to their mothers and I completely understand that. And that has a whole nother dynamic on top of the loss that they're already feeling, or they abandon them when they're children or things like that. Um, me personally, I was very close to my mother. Um, it was her and I against the world basically. Um, and you know, it was hard because she was sick for most of my childhood. And so I had, you know, Um, these kind of supplementary people like my grandparents and my wife um, that I was also very close to. But my mom, my mom was my best friend. And I know for a fact that, you know, if she were still alive today, her and I would be really, really close. And I was an only child from my mother. I'm one of four from my father, but um, I was an only child with my mother. And I think that makes a difference too um, on your relationship with your mother. Yeah, no, it definitely does. You're totally right. Um, I guess, did you ever have those thoughts? You know, did you know that you always wanted to have kids? Whether 
you know, you met somebody or not, because that's where I'm at right now. Maybe it's just like, maybe I don't want kids because I haven't met somebody that I want to have kids with. Mm-hmm. I always wanted kids personally. Um, I always wanted at least a boy and a girl. Um, I never really thought about the reasons why I wanted kids. Um, but I definitely always wanted to have a family. Um, and secretly I always wanted to have a girl so that I could have a mother daughter relationship. Um, again. Well, I hope you got your girl. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I did got my, I did get my girl. I was very fortunate, but, um, but yeah, so like I, I did secretly always want a girl so that I could have that mother daughter relationship, not to replace my mother, but to have just a mother daughter relationship and, and can continue that, that bond, you know, that I, had with my mother that I could have had with my mother, you know, the way like she had it with me, you know what I mean? To like pass it on to the next generation kind of a thing. Um, and I did, I did secretly really want a girl. Um, and I also really wanted a boy and I was blessed with a boy first. Um, and I didn't really have problems during my pregnancy with my boy. I was a little bit emotional, but I ch- kind of chalk it up to stress. I was in grad school and I was working and, um, <laughs> and I was pregnant. So it was like a lot of stress. Um, and I kind of chalked it up to that. Um, looking back, maybe I had some warning signs during my first pregnancy, but overall I didn't, um, I, I didn't have that type of, um, problems a perinatal like depression with him when I was pregnant now afterwards I think I had a little bit of anxiety um in fact I probably did like looking back on it I think I had a lot of anxiety that I probably should have gotten help for um which kind of leads me to my next pregnancy which it was exacerbated by a lot um and I knew pretty much from the moment that I got pregnant that it was going to be a girl based on what I was craving and I just I just had this feeling like it was going to be a girl, you know? And, um, it was really weird because what happened was once I like put it in my mind that it was a girl, it was like, I disconnected from the pregnancy and I started getting like really irritable with everyone, my child, my husband, everyone around me. I was angry all the time. I mean, I'm kind of always angry all the time, but that's, you know, <laughs> that has a lot to do with all of this, but in just in general life, but, um, you know, and I just started like feeling really sad and feeling really disconnected from my family. I felt like I was kind of like always having like an out of body experience. Like I was watching my life through a window. Um, like I just wasn't connecting to my family anymore and I wasn't happy. I wasn't excited about the things that I wanted in life anymore. I had just finished grad school. I was super excited to publish one of my research papers and I still have yet to do it. And I graduated almost two years ago and you know, it's things like that, um, that were like, you know, me just sinking down, like, even though I wanted these children. I wanted a girl. Suddenly I was very disconnected and not connecting with my pregnancy. And it was very weird um, to go through that because I was so excited to have a girl and I didn't understand why I was feeling the way I was feeling. Um, So to answer your question, yes, I've always wanted children. Um, And I've been one of those, like I wanted the children to kind of like continue the bond type of, type of people, but it's not weird to, to want the opposite, you know what I mean? To not have kids before we had kids, we actually thought about adopting. Um, I struggled to get pregnant a little bit. Um, and I had considered adopting and it's still like on my docket for like the future. If we decide to have more kids to adopt, um, potentially an orphan like myself, um, to, uh, to raise. Um, but I had considered adopting as well. Um, but yeah, I, I always wanted children. Um, but it's not unusual to not want to have children because of this experience as well. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm like trying to process everything that makes you feel a lot better. No, it's okay. (laughs) And you know, maybe if, and when I meet somebody who like, I decide like, Hey, I want to have children with, then 
okay and then my mind might change but I'm also 24 so I'm like I'm definitely not ready to have kids regardless of you know I, I was not I ready to have kids when I was 24 <laughs> okay I that was the feels opposite of ready oh my god I'm like I don't even know what my favorite color is at this point let's yeah be I was completely honest yeah I was not ready for kids at 24 I wasn't ready for kids until I was almost 30 Okay. You got got time, girl. You got time. And don't listen to what they say about the biological clock either. You got time. (laughs) Yeah. It is so interesting to me that you, your depression was worse with your daughter. Can you like elaborate on that? I think this episode is going to be a lot of you talking and that's totally okay because I'm like, I talk a lot. No, it is okay. This is like such an interesting topic. And I'm like, oh my God, you have to tell me everything. (laughs) So, um, when I started feeling this way, I, I was like, it was getting really bad. Like I was like crying in the middle of the night. I had insomnia really bad. I was crying in the daytime. I was like losing it like during the day um, with my kid and stuff. And finally I was like, you know what? I need to go get help. Like I, I don't feel okay, you know? And that's when I looked up online because I was like, you know, I'm, it's, I'm pregnant. I'm not postpartum. Like, why do I feel this way? You know? And so I kind of looked up the symptoms online and postpartum support international came up. And this is a program that I really, really want to, um, share with everybody because it provides free resources for people who are struggling. Um, the website is called postpartum.net. Um, and they provide resources. They have a phone line that you can call for psychiatric help. They have resources to find support groups and therapists, and they have resources for family members. They have resources for men suffering from postpartum depression, which is a thing. Um, and, um, they just have like a bunch of different things. And I looked up the symptoms on their site for, um, perinatal depression and anxiety and on there it says symptoms can happen before or uh during pregnancy and after delivery and i was like whoa i had no idea that postpartum depression could start in pregnancy and that's something really really important um to let people know about because so often the symptoms are masked by regular pregnancy symptoms you know you're normally hormonal you're emotional things like that but there's a difference between crying over a cheeseburger commercial because it looks so delicious and <laughs> and crying because you feel worthless and alone like day in and day out you know what i mean and there's like a huge difference between those two but you know I tried to open up to people and people were like, oh, it's just your hormones. You're fine. You're fine. And I was not fine. I was not fine. I was getting to the point where I was, um, where I was suicidal and it, I was not okay. And so I, I got help and my doctor, you know, I walked into my doctor's office and she asked me, you know, how are you feeling? And I was like, physically, I feel great. I said, mentally, I am a disaster. And, you know, she asked me how I was feeling and stuff. And I told her like how I was feeling. I was like sad and irritable and things like that. And she said, well, because you're pregnant, I don't recommend medication um, because, you know, we don't know what kind of effects it can have on the baby. Now, I want to preface that with if you guys are experiencing depression that is inhibiting your ability to carry this child, whether it's eating properly and making sure that that baby is properly nourished or a a healthy birth weight or not having gestational diabetes because you're eating two pounds of chocolate every day. Um, or if it's, you know, getting to the point where you are considering self-harm or things like that, by all means, any side effects that those medications can have on your baby are better than the alternative. So I don't want to tell people not to take medication during pregnancy. I'm saying, you know, it's really important for um, you to discuss those options with your doctors. Um, But my doctor personally did not recommend it um, because I was not in an extreme case. Um, So she recommended me to a therapist um, and I went to my therapist and 
she sat down with me and got my history and stuff. And I told her, you know, I said, you know, my mom died at 12 when I was 12 and, um, my grandmother passed away when I was 15 and she just looked straight at me and she said, there it is. I said, no, no, that's not the reason why I'm feeling why I'm feeling. That was 20 years ago. That was 15, 16, 19, 20 years ago. And she was like, no, trust me. She's like, grief is cyclical and you, it's probably unresolved grief that you haven't dealt with. And I'm like, but, but I did deal with it. I was, you know, I was 15 when I dealt with it. And she was like, just hear me out here. Just keep going and then we'll discuss. And so I told her the rest of my history, yada, yada. And she told me, she said, I want you to start a journal and I want you to write down how you're feeling. And she says, I guarantee you the way you are feeling right now is how you have felt in the past as a child. And I want you to look back in your childhood and write down all the times when you felt the same way on the inside. She's like, you may not have realized that that's what you were feeling because you couldn't put words to it. You may not have been able to decipher those feelings, but I want you to write down all the times that you have felt alone, all the times that you have felt abandoned and things like that. And so I go back in my history and you know, I start writing things down and stuff. And she's like, no, next week I want you to come back and you know, talk to me about it. And I was like, okay, I, I don't, I don't really think I felt this way, but okay. <laughs> and so over the week I thought about it and I was like, you know what? Like, I feel like I felt like this as far back as I can remember, you know, throughout various points in my life, I feel like I've hit these really big lows. Um, and so I go back to see her the next week and she tells me, she says, now I, I want to tell you something. And I don't normally open up to my patients this way. She's like, but I feel like you and I connect on a deeper level. So she told me, she said, I lost my mother when I was a teenager as well. And she said, so I understand this from both a personal and a professional point of view, um, which I thought was huge. Um, and she looked me straight in the eye and she said, I had severe postpartum depression with my first daughter. And she didn't understand it either back then um, because there wasn't a lot of support back then for, um, for that kind of thing. And she said, a lot of times, especially when you have a daughter, it reminds you of the relationship that you lost. And so subconsciously, you have a hard time connecting to it because you're afraid of losing that relationship. Or you're afraid of that relationship abandoning you in the future. Um, and, um, you know, especially if you've lost a number of women in your life. I've lost a number of women in my life. I've had women come in and out of my life as mother figures um, throughout my whole life. So that's like a whole other element to it. But um, she told me that, you know, a lot of times when we have girls, when we're pregnant with girls, it has that big, th that much bigger of an impact. It can happen with sons too, but if, especially if we have daughters, because it reminds us of the relationship that we lost. Um, and so she said, that's probably why I felt it with my daughter more than my son. That makes so much sense. I never even thought about it like that but it's like you were longing for this relationship since you basically lost it and like now that you have something that I can compare to it it's literally just the biggest slap in the face that you could have and yeah you know you're happy that you had a daughter but it's almost too at least I you know can't attest to it but it almost seems like you would be afraid or nervous that like your daughter would go through what you went through and like something might happen yes. to you. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Okay. I was like, maybe I'm crazy, yep. but or, or that you would lose the baby. And I secretly had a fear that I was going to lose the baby. Um, I think part of that was triggered by, I had a friend that lost a baby right around the same time that I found out I was pregnant. Um, and so I think subconsciously, like I had this like anxiety that I was going to lose the baby and I was going to lose another female in my life. Um, so I think that was a huge component of it as well. So it, it was, it was a little bit on both sides that she would grow up without me, but also that, 
I might lose her as well. And then, you know, I just had this like fear. And so like, it was easier to not connect to the baby than put myself through that pain, I guess. Um, so I had a really hard time connecting to my pregnancy. Um, but she had me start a journal. Um, and she, she talked about, you know, all my triggers and things like that. Like I've struggled with anger management my entire life. Um, and I never connected that back to my mother loss, which is something I'll elaborate on in a second. Um, and I've struggled with like a lot of like deep ruts where I go into, um, these deep depressions around life transitions, such as graduations and my wedding. My wedding was uh, almost as hard as motherhood without my mother. Um, it was it was really really difficult to plan my wedding without my mom. Um, and you know, I like go through these like deep depressions and stuff. So she told me in my therapy sessions, she said, "Look, I want you to read this book." called motherless daughters by hope edelman if you guys haven't read it do it it's a difficult read um it will get a little heart-wrenching at times a little bit too real for you but keep pushing through um because it it really helps you feel less alone and you know she came back and she asked me she said so do you relate to the book <laughs> and i said if i relate to it i said this book explains my entire life it explains my anger management issues. It explains why I have a hard time connecting to other females, especially friends. I had mostly guy friends all through high school, and I never understood why I got better, got along better with guys than girls. Um, and even as an adult, I struggle with this, especially as a married woman who can't have guy friends. Um, I really struggle with it. <laughs> And, um, it explains, you know, like all of my feelings about, you know, all the mother figures in my life and abandonment issues. Anytime I feel abandoned, I have a trigger moment, you know, um, it explains like all my cyclical grieving. Um, you know, it just explains like my entire life. Oh, and like how I'm super needy in my relationships. <laughs> That's something that a lot of us have in common. Um, and it has to do with our abandonment issues from losing our mother. Um, and so does our anger issues, um, which contributes to your depression. It's, it's one of the major signs of depression and anxiety is anger out, outbursts. And I think the most profound thing um, that I read in that book and that I discussed with my therapist was that um, the anger that comes out is directed at people we love. Um, those closest to us and a lot of times inanimate objects as well and what it is is misdirected anger that is supposed to go to our mother for abandoning us but we feel like we can't be angry with her because she's she's dead and we feel like we can't be angry with her for dying and so the anger is grief with nowhere to go and anger is pain's bodyguard and that's how we express ourselves, especially if we were adolescents when we lost our mothers. Um, you know, we, we become arrested in that developmental stage where we can't really process how we're feeling, but it comes out in rage and anger. And so I've struggled with anger management my entire life. And it was that, that profound thing that I read in that book. That's probably the biggest thing that stuck with me out of that book. Um, and how that has helped me with my depression is just recognizing that every time I get angry, it's usually because it triggers the abandonment feelings that I have as a child. So I asked my, my therapist, I said, you know, how does like me getting mad at my computer when it's not working properly, like relate to that? And she's like, so you get mad at your computer when it abandons you. <laughs> And my, my, my brain like exploded. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness. And so like, you know, things like that. And that's like a huge symptom of, of depression and anxiety is that it's anger outbursts um, that, you know, a lot of us struggle with as motherless moms. Um, so she told me to, you know, write down the triggers and like, 
like every time like we get angry and stuff like direct that anger into our notebooks you know we can we can write a letter to our mom we can talk about how angry something makes us we can talk about how it makes us feel abandoned and why we feel abandoned and just recognizing why it makes us so angry just helps helps you calm down a lot just you know channeling that anger into your journal instead which is easier said than done especially when you have kids because you just don't have time to journal <laughs> but even just like a couple notes on your phone or something like that like it helps direct that anger um, and that that has helped me out tremendously in my therapy sessions sorry i just totally oh, no, elaborated it's okay it's okay i'm like trying i'm like okay where do i want to start that's so funny when you were like i just keep thinking when you're talking about like the um computer thing she was like well you're mad that your computer painted you and you're like holy hell this lady is right like i did not even when you have somebody who like puts those things into perspective you're like oh my god my life has literally changed you're like this makes so much sense but who could ever figure that out themselves i couldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't, i mean you i did but it took out. me years and years and years mm-hmm. it's because part of it is that we don't want to admit that we have abandonment issues you know what i mean like who wants to admit that they feel abandoned because their mother died you know what i mean we don't want to want to admit that our mothers abandoned us but that's deep down that's how we feel you know that's how we feel like they left us they left us behind and that is a very very powerful emotion to deal with and it may not have been their fault sometimes it is unfortunately and it's just it's 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 an emotion that we tend to push down inside of us and it comes out in other ways you know it comes out in anger it comes out in sadness it comes out in insomnia in the middle of night racing thoughts things anxiety about you know leaving your family behind and how you're going to make your children feel if you die you know things like that. So yeah. Yeah. That's so, and it's so funny when you look at like the dynamic, um, about like, you know, the woman having a daughter, um, and that sort of thing. So I don't know, like, it's just, I don't even know how to explain it, but okay, I'm trying to, you said your depression was worse after you had her, right? Or was it b- when you were pregnant with her? It was when I was pregnant with her and I attribute the reason as to why I'm doing better postpartum um, is because I sought help because I got treatment during pregnancy. I started seeking treatment at 20 weeks and I started connecting to her by the end of my pregnancy, which is really nice. Um, so postpartum, I still have my hard days. Um, I still talk to my therapist every once in a while and I've been doing a lot of grief therapy, which has helped me tremendously. Um, and I'd like to share some of that in a little bit as well. Um, but I've been doing a lot of grief therapy this year. Um, in addition to like all my therapy that I did last year. Um, and it, it has truly helped me tremendously and I highly recommend it to anyone who's struggling find resources out there. Postpartum Support International provides access to some of those resources. If you can't get them from your OB, if your OB doesn't listen to you, change OBs. Okay. If, if you, if your doctor is not listening to you and your mental health, or if they judge you, change your doctor because there are doctors out there that care. Um, and there's you know, people I, out there who care just in general. Exactly. Just in general, yep. There are there are lots of counselors that are not affiliated necessarily with health. There's, um, yeah, I'm like, you know, education doesn't doctors. mean shit to me, honestly, because somebody tried to tell me once that they tried to help me, and I'm like, bro, you've never even lost a grandparent. Do not come tell me how to grieve mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that just pisses me off. Um, mm, yeah, but I'm like, yeah, yeah you just you just gotta talk. Like, you just have to yeah. talk to people and like basically. Yep. You guys are not alone. You're not alone. There are people all around you that have experienced the same and they might not talk about it. Like me personally, unless you really, really know me, 
you don't know that my mother died. You have no clue because I don't talk about it unless you get really personal with me. Um, I went through college and I actually had this professor of mine who was like a mother figure to me. She like took me under her wing when I was in college. I was like 16 hours away from home. She took me under her wing. She was like super involved with my education. I was a nanny for her family. I went on all these research trips with her. Like she was like my mother figure in college, you know, and she cared us. She cared about her students. Like, like she was their mother, you know? It took her until my senior year of college to find out that my mother had passed away. She had no idea. No clue. Oh my God, that's and, so funny. You literally just go to show you never know. Yep. Yep. You never know who's around you, who's, who's been through the same thing, and they just don't talk about it, you know? And that's why, you know, getting together and having support groups is so important. Um, I'm, a num- I'm a member of several support groups um, on Facebook. There's motherless daughters, motherless mothers. I am the admin for motherless mothers of New England, which um, oh, my husband and I I created that group actually to not only create an online support group, but also um, it's a regional group because we get together and we do things like we get together for support groups and book clubs and we get together for play dates and mom's nights outs and things like that. So, um, and we're moving in the near future. So I'm going to start one up probably in the mid Atlantic as well. So if anyone's interested in joining that, uh, stay tuned, you can feel free to join the motherless mothers of new England group as well. And I'll keep you guys posted. Um, but just support groups like that. It's just so helpful to know that you are not alone and what you're feeling is valid. And like, you just never know the people around you. Like one of my best friends, um, where I live, she's, she's, I'm in a band with her and I had no idea until we started, um, talking, um, pretty in depth, um, about our life histories that she is also an orphan. Her, her mother passed away when she was in college. And so that's like a bond between us. And I had no idea, you know, until I really got to know her, you know, so people don't talk about it you know, just know that you guys are not alone. And, um, you know, there are people out there that understand how you're feeling. That's so funny. Have you, speaking of like doing events and stuff, you're in New England, so that's a pretty big area. Um, have you looked yeah. at Meetup? Have you ever been on there? I have. Yeah, I have been on Meetup. Um, I haven't noticed any any groups like that in my area? I'm really surprised. I mean, I live in Raleigh, North Carolina, and they have one there, but it, they might also have like a Facebook group. I just looked for like, I was going to like a networking event. So I just mm-hmm. looked for like the networking event. But it's so funny to see sometimes how those things double dip. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Have you heard of here. like Empower Her? I'm like, this is not like an endorsement of any means, but from anybody who is listening, but I'm like obsessed with their mission. Everybody's saying how it's basically like a mentorship. I mean, oh God, I hope nobody from like Empower Her is listening to this. And I'm like completely saying the wrong thing about the company. But from what I know, and it's weird, it's like in like the new, it started in the New England area. I'm I think like Connecticut somewhere, but they do like the same sort of thing. It's like, it's not a support group necessarily. It's like a mentorship program. Mm-hmm. I've um, heard of that. Um, which okay. is so cool. I'm like, it's kind of pricey if you want to bring it to like different locations. But I'm like that, which I mean, it sucks because I wish I was something like that, but worldwide. Right. You know, be so nice. Because yeah, empower her. Yeah. It's out of Massachusetts, I believe. Girl power. Let's see. Make sure. Hmm. Because I'm like, I totally yeah. know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, you have to have like a few hundred thousand or 10,000 or something like that to like start a chapter in your area, which there's, don't get me wrong, there's a need for it in other places. But I'm like, oh my God, like I want to come up with this, something like this for the world. Like, no idea how or, or to begin. But I guess that's kind of what this like podcast is for, sort of, kind of. And then, yeah, absolutely. Just do that's like, re- do like retreats from it and like that sort of thing. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. I would have to have people like, and like willing to like work with me like in other like countries like hey you live in this country can you go on this retreat that that sort of thing but right um that's so funny have you heard of hope edelman she's the yeah oh my she's like she's like my idol i i I want her on this podcast so bad and it's so funny so i literally talk about how 
because I wanted like a catchphrase for the show or like a way to refer to the listeners as. And I like post on some of the support groups, like what's another way to say like motherless daughters Mm -hmm. other than being like daughters with deceased mothers, like other than literally being so like morbid about it. And Mm -hmm. this is a little off topic, but whatever. I like literally could not come up with anything. And it's weird because motherless daughters makes you think, but it's also hard to, because and I'm not saying, like, I feel like my heart hurts for you if you are abandoned by your mother. But it's hard because, like, this isn't for people that are abandoned by their mother. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? And that's why I'm like, so I, like, on my show, I refuse to say motherless daughters because I don't, gotcha. want, any, I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea. And it's so yeah. hard. I'm like, we're just going to say women who've lost a mom. Like, if you're a woman who's lost her mom, this is for you. Like, yeah. I feel like a lot of women that have um, mothers who abandon them, they go through a lot of the same psychological things, which I think is why Hope Edelman like groups them together. I feel like we have the same impacts on our lives if they abandon us or they pass away because ultimately it is kind of the same thing. You know what I mean? Like they abandon us when they die. They abandon us when they, you know, walk out. But at the same time, there's a, an extraordinary loss that comes from having your parent die, you know, um, especially if you're close to them, you know, and there's just like a whole nother element to that, um, that needs to be, you know, a little bit separate from, from the abandonment. So like, I, I agree with you, like it, you know, there kind of needs to be separated in a sense, because I feel like if you don't know your mother, and you do know your mother and you lost your mother, like it's, it's different, you know, and some people did know their mother and then they abandoned them, but you know, it's, there's, there's just different dynamics for every relationship. Yeah. I guess it's just like the, like the actual, like aspect of hope. And it's so funny that mm-hmm. Hope Beetleman's name is hope, but yeah. I'm just the kind of person where like, okay, this is going to, and forgive me if this is like insensitive, but if somebody abandons you, I'm just the kind of person where I have hope that the situation might change. But if your mom dies, there is no hope that the situation can change because she can't just fucking come back to the earth. Like that's right. So I think that's where and then there's the difference lies. Right. And then there's situations where people like their mothers abandon them and then they died. That's actually what happened to me with my father. My father oh God, me then and then like- died. And now I'm dealing with it's like a double loss. You know what I mean? Like I'm in the middle of like grieving, like his his abandonment of me as a child and trying to work through that. And then he died five years ago. So um, trying to work through that as well, because it's, it's something that like I have to work on, like with my siblings and stuff like that. Cause my siblings were really close to him and I was not. And it just like creates this divide and I'm trying to like, I don't know it's just really hard for me to grieve someone that I didn't know. Um, but it's like the same element, you know what I mean? Like where like it's a double loss, but at the same time, you know, there's, it, it's just different. It know? is. And it's so interesting between, to yeah, it's interesting for you to bring up the hope that there's, there's a hope that that can be reconciliation, that there can be reconciliation but then if they die then there's no hope for that and then that's like an additional struggle but yeah it's so weird how right. like everybody grieves differently but you can look at like it's like okay like you could grieve your dad's abandonment one way and then grieve your dad's death a completely different way. And you're like, yep. what the heck? I'm one person grieving this one person. Why the heck is it so different? Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's yeah, it's so, very strange for me. That's why, like, I always try to tell people, they're like, wow, you understand grief really well. I'm like, no, I definitely don't. Everybody grieves differently. Yeah. And, and yeah, nobody understands you- grief. It's not something that you right. understand. It's something that you no matter- do no matter how many times you go through it, each one is different too, because some overshadow others. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. I'm like, it's just the way of life. Like, mm-hmm. do I understand life? No. Nope. But grieving is life, so. We just survive. It's literally survive. a lifestyle. That's what I like to call it. 
It's like, it's a yeah. That's so funny. I'm like, it's true. I gave it's up true. trying to understand it a long time ago, and it was honest to God, one of the best decisions I ever made. I'm sorry <laughs> that I'm laughing at this. People probably think that I'm crazy, but I'm like, I cannot believe I thought for so long that I could understand this like monster. You know, yeah. that is yeah. so funny. Well, is there anything that if somebody is struggling with perinatal depression, or mm-hmm. you know, I guess. Postpartum and pre prepartum is that the right word? Yeah, it, they call it antenatal or antepartum depression. There's okay anybody where you live in the world struggling with depression, like before, during, or after our pregnancy. There you go. Um, what advice would you have for them? Seek help um, first and foremost. You know, a lot of a lot of women. Um, you know, I, I'm part of some support groups online. So it's not just my experience that I, that I take this from, but there's a lot of women out there that are in situations, you know, it's particularly prevalent in communities that are low income and are having marital problems and things like that. Um, and like, I just, I can't stress enough the importance of seeking help because it, there is light at the end of the tunnel and it might, be really hard to see at times um but i have to tell you it is there and you might have to dig so deep into your psyche and into your past traumas and stuff like that and it is painful it is really painful to bring all of it up again especially if it's been 20 years since you've had to deal with it but it is so worth it at the end um you know my 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 therapist told me this thing that, you know, a lot of people, you know, they come in for treatment for depression and anxiety and OCD and all these um, mood disorders um, that are kind of lumped under this perinatal mood disorder thing. It's not just depression and anxiety. It's obsessive compulsive disorder. It's um, PTSD, especially for those who have NICU babies or had a traumatic childbirth or traumatic pregnancy. Um, And, you know, psychosis with which is when you like hallucinate and things like that. Um, and um, also if you're bipolar and things like that, like they're all kind of lumped under the perinatal umbrella. But, um, you know, I just, I want people to know that there is help out there and that no matter what you're going through, there are other people that are going through it also. And there's so many women, you know, that, that struggle with this and they, they're wondering you know, whether or not they're going to make it through. And I'm telling you that if you get help and you get the right treatment, you will, you know, um, what I was saying just a minute ago before I lost my train of thought, um, my <laughs> therapist, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I'm a little ADD. So my mind goes kind Girl, of, it is okay. Uh, um, <laughs> um, but my, um, my therapist was saying that like a lot of women come in for treatment of, um, of their mood disorders and stuff and their doctors just put them on antidepressants and they go through antidepressant after antidepressant after antidepressant and all these different medications and nothing is working. And she said a lot of like nine times out of 10, the reason why you're going through what you're going through is because of trauma, some sort of trauma that lives in your psyche that you don't want to bring up that you don't want to deal with. And no amount of medication is going to make that trauma go away. You still have to deal with it. And so you can be on medication to help lift your mood and help you get through the day. But at the end of the day, you have to go to therapy to figure out what's going on beneath the surface. And you're going to have to dig deeper and you're going to have to go through the pain of bringing it all up again. Because once you bring up that pain, and all of those emotions that come with it and you deal with it, that's when you start to heal. That's when you start to get better. And she told me that during pregnancy and postpartum, the reason why a lot of these unresolved grief feelings about your mother come up and about past traumas come up is because it's your psyche telling you it is time for you to deal with them. You are emotionally mature enough to deal with them because as an adolescent, if you lost your parent as an adolescent when you were younger or a child, you were not mentally capable of processing that grief. But as a 31-year-old, as an adult, having children and having all these raging hormones that cause you to be emotional, that is the time to deal with it. 
and it's perfect timing because you are emotionally capable of dealing with it and your hormones make you deal with it. And in, in a sense, it's almost a blessing in disguise to go through something like that if you deal with it and you heal from it because then you can be a better mother. Then you can be a better parent to your children. You can be a better spouse to your, um, to your spouse, <laughs> to your significant other. And you can be just like an overall, like better person, you know, you can grow from it. And, um, you know, just knowing what your triggers are and how to heal from it, how to heal from your trauma. It, it helps you, you know, there, there's a lot that I've gone through with my, um, with my therapy sessions and stuff like that in reading motherless mothers by Hope Edelman, um, which talks about how being motherless actually impacts you as a mother and like the things you do, like, um, as a mother, like with your anxiety and like your relationship with your daughter, like sometimes if you associate your daughter as like a reincarnation of your mother that passed away, like sometimes it creates this weird dynamic where like you be, uh, they become the nurturer for you and it creates this like unhealthy dynamic and just being aware of that and making sure that that doesn't happen will make you a better mother down the line, you know? So like healing from your trauma will help you be a better mother. And I always, I tell people that experiencing perinatal depression has made me a better mother. And that sounds contrary to, you know, all the things you hear in media and things like that, but it really is because I sought help because you know, I'm still seeking help. I'm not a hundred percent yet. I don't know if I ever will be, if I'm being completely honest, but I'm getting there and I'm getting, I'm surviving and I'm doing the best that I can. And my worst days now are better than my best days back then when I was really in the thick of it. And there's something to be said for that. And therapy has helped me get there. And so I strongly encourage anyone who's dealing with these feelings to seek therapy, to seek, talk to their doctor. If they need medication, they need medication, you know, but definitely go to the therapy. There are lots of different types of therapy. There's talk therapy, there's behavioral therapy, there's um, EMDR therapy that helps you disassociate trauma. Um, like I have nightmares really bad. My therapist actually recommended I do that. So if you have a really, really traumatic thing that happened to you, you can go do that type of therapy that kind of helps you disassociate in your psyche so that you can just heal from that type of trauma and things like that. There's a lot of different types of, of therapies out there, but I strongly encourage people to, to seek help. Um, and there's lots of resources out there. Talk to your doctor, talk to your friends, look up perinatal counselors out there. Um, there's some that aren't affiliated with like medical professionals. They're just like standalones. Um, talk to your, talk to your doctor. If your doctor isn't listening to you, find a different doctor. Um, talk to, you know, go to postpartum.net. Um, they have a, they have a call line, um, where you can talk to therapists and, um, they have resources for you available and it's free, free resources. So for those of you who can't afford a therapist, you know, it's like $200 an hour. Um, mine was included in my health insurance plan because I had just had a baby and I had maxed out my out of pocket, you know, but, um, you know, not everybody has that luxury, you know? So, um, it's really important to seek help, to get that help. Um, and you know, if you guys, if you guys need help, there are lots of Facebook groups out there. Prenatal depression and anxiety was a huge, um, support network for me. Um, they're on Facebook. You can look them up. Um, it's a team of wonderful women, um, who are just there to support each other. No judgment. So no judgment, which is huge um, because a lot of women who are dealing with this, you know, have a lot of inner feelings that, you know, may not be received well um, among your loved ones and close friends and things like that. But you can always feel free to um, talk about what you're feeling in that group. And I, I think that's really, really important, knowing that you're not alone and having that support network. So seek help is what I want to stress there. <laughs> there is light at the end of the tunnel and you will get through it. That's so funny. Um, I was about to say, well, is there anything else that you want to leave with the listeners? But I think that's just a really good place to leave it. Unless there okay. is anything else you want to add. <laughs> no, nope. probably would be uh, the same thing. 
I think that's it. <laughs> Are there any other questions you have for me? No, you definitely covered it. I mean, get help. That's basically all I can literally say. There are lots of resources out there. Um, like I said, I'm the admin for Motherless Mothers of New England. If anybody is interested in joining, you're more than welcome, even if you don't live in New England. Um, and also, like, I'll be putting information up there as well. Um, and if you guys need to contact me, feel free um, to contact me. I can send you guys some resources. Um, be happy to do that. Hope my fellow mamas. Yes. Okay. Well, that. Yeah. Okay. I don't really know what else to say to that. Um. Thank you so much. I guess for being on the show. I guess it's not because it now. Um. <laughs> thank you so much for having me and giving me this platform to talk about it. I really appreciate it. Hey, friend. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Before you go, I have four favors to ask you. First, I wanted to let you know that I host a group for women where we share our day-to-day stories challenges and victories if you want to come along for the ride head to facebook and search for the life after losing mom community second if you don't mind leaving me a review and telling me how i've helped you in your grief journey i would greatly appreciate it third head to catbonner.com forward slash podcast to access previous episodes and subscribe for episodes in the future Finally, head to catbonner.com to schedule a complimentary connection call with me. I'd love to know more about your grief journey. Always remember that despite losing our mothers, we have flourishing futures. This has been an OutsourceYourPodcast.com production.